Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash spookshow. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Inside the junk hole. Oh my goodness. Well, sometimes that is better. It just tastes so damn good. Stargrove. Wolfman's got nerd. Here, mommy. Here's Johnny. Thou art the one. Slap! Star Child. What the hell did we just watch? The All American Spook Show Podcast. Hello and welcome once again to another edition of the All-American Spook Show podcast. As always, I'm joined here with the Professor Smoke. Hey. And our recent new addition, Donnie. Hey. Will is on assignment this week. He, <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> he's taking a, another vacation. Yeah, to, that's what you call that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's on another vacation to Disney World, so uh, he won't be here this week, but... We'll get his thoughts on the next episode. He's going to watch April Fool's Day, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I think there was like a, a remake of this that came out sometime in the early 2000s, right? Smoke like 2006, 7, 8, somewhere around there. Actually, I haven't seen that. One of the remakes I haven't seen. Well, I mean, there's probably a lot of remakes I haven't seen yet, but uh, I haven't seen that one. But yeah, it did come out sometime in the mid-2000s. I mean, not mid-2000s, early 2000s. Well, early to mid, yeah. I don't remember the exact year, but 2006 sounds right. We'll get around to it, I'm, I'm sure, sooner or later here on the Spook Show, but... I, I can only imagine that it can't be much better than what than this one. I mean, <laughs> if anything, I'd say it'd probably be taking a step back, and that that ain't uh, not to give too much away. That 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 ain't uh, nothing to brag about or anything there. So as we started, or as I started watching this, I realized that like I said on the last episode, this was the I had not seen this before, and uh, as I'm sitting there watching it, I quickly realized that I had definitely seen this before. It's just been a really long time. Smoke, what about you? You said you've, you've definitely seen this before, right? I mean, like, a number of times, I'm sure. Yeah, I never I never saw it in the theater, but I saw it when it first, like, it hit VHS, or sometime shortly after it first hit VHS back in the, in the 80s, in the mid-80s, because it was, I guess, 87 or so, probably. Maybe two other times, but the last time I've seen it, it's been maybe mid-90s, late-90s, somewhere in there. So it's been a while. And Donnie, what about you? Yeah, I've, I've seen it, uh, like, parts of it on TV, I think. I mean, it's been a long time. Long time ago, but yeah, yeah, I have seen it. <laughs> yeah, like as I'm sitting there, I'm like, man, th- this looks all this is familiar as hell. I just can't, you know, I don't remember every little intricacy about it, but I've seen this. And then as it went along further and further, yeah, I've definitely seen this. It's just been good lord, that's probably mid to late 90s. It's been a long time. I guess before we go any further into our initial thoughts and all that, I'll go ahead and give out the usual information. You can email or you know, or you can email us, you know, with any comments or suggestions or uh, any fuck yous or anything like that. You can send it to uh, allamericanspookshow at gmail.com. We get a lot of uh, fuck you emails over there. Um, on Twitter. Yeah, used to it, right? Yeah. On Twitter, you can find us at we'll AA Spook Show. Or crawlers once producers and directors. So we'll yeah. probably get a lot more once the producers and directors slash whatever, you know, see or, or hear the review for crawlers. But. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, we'll say fuck them back. Yeah. Uh, nah. <laughs> they, can, they can just join the club with a few other movies we've shit on over the last few years, so they'll be all right. Anyways, Twitter, at A Spook Show. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube by searching All American Spook Show. You know, we're, we're trying to get on uh, uh, posting some more stuff on YouTube. Obviously, we've got Patreon. You can find that at patreon.com slash AA Spook Show. The same thing, like we're, we're uh, hoping to start cranking up there and getting some more content out for uh, everybody that wants to uh, patron that. Uh, it's patreon.com slash AA Spook Show. Uh, we have a T Public page where you can uh, get some uh, logoed merchandise and you know, like the, the the various Spook Show logos that we have and a few other cool designs that we have up. And we're going to be adding some uh, new designs there soon. I guess before we get into the background and everything, I'll go ahead and toss the trailer for April Fool's Day from 1986. Paramount Pictures cordially invites you for a weekend getaway at the party to end all parties. This is the craziest party that could. April Fool. Welcome to my home. And lifestyles of the rich and undeserving. Wrong. Join eight privileged guests who are just dying to have fun. What is this, the bridal suite? You like it? The ladies. I find a use for it. The gentlemen. <laughs> we, we, we did, on the first date. The young. Well, basically, I possess a, an essential lack of seriousness. <laughs> and the restless. <laughs> you are such a jerk. Everyone is having such a good time. It's scary. <laughs> Something wrong? You look dead. Radio is blasting. Someone's knocking at the door. I'm looking at my girl. <laughs> she passed her phone. Nikki! I'll see you soon in the hole. I'll never see you before. Don't know what it is. I don't want to see you. <laughs> April Fool's Day. Get ready to party till you drop. All right, and there you have it. That's the trailer for that. So, Donnie, what were your initial thoughts on, you know, sitting down and watching it this time around? You know, beyond the fact that you've seen a little bit of it in the past. Uh, you know, um, initially, well, this was the first time I've seen it from beginning to end. Um, and, uh, you know, even though I've, I've seen parts of it, this was the first time uh, from start to finish. Um, I, honestly, the you know the pranks were actually kind of funny <laughs> you know uh there were a few of them uh that you know they actually were kind of funny uh uh i thought you know the the storyline was uh you know pretty creative for uh, definitely its time all that aside i thought it was a little slow more boring than i uh than i remember it being uh, and you know as far as like i mentioned the pranks being good um or, you know pretty funny um I don't think it had enough of what kind of set itself apart from, you know, maybe the other uh, slasher films of its, uh, of its time. But yeah, I just, eh, it was okay. You know, it just didn't, maybe I'm just a bloodthirsty psychopath. Uh, it just didn't, didn't have enough for me. Uh, Professor, what, what were your initial reactions? Like, you know, back when you saw it late eighties versus now and you know, what, what you're feeling on it? Yeah. The first time I saw it back in the late eighties, I mean, the title of the movie, you know, gives itself away a little bit as far as what is going to go on maybe, but I didn't expect it 
necessarily to be not the well, I mean, we're going to spoil it when we get to it. I won't necessarily mention the storyline stuff yet, but just the way it panned out, I was, uh, I was like, it was another disappointment to me when I saw it back then. I'm mm-hmm. like, you know, you feel a little bit cheated about what's going on, even given the title of the movie and everything. And of course, being like Donnie said, light, very light in the gore department. If you know, you know, they could have. And again, the premise of the movie is being what it is. They still could have heaped on the some of the gore effects, the aftermath of said gore effect or whatever you want to call it. Could have been heavier, I would think, to make up for it. This movie probably could have been, and not probably, it could be a TG-13 movie today, I believe. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Like, it definitely, um, you know, had it had potential, but it very, you know, it it just sorely undelivered. Yeah. Now, upon second time viewing, well, I don't know what year it was the second time I viewed it. Upon, let's just say viewing it again now. Uh, I probably enjoyed it a little bit better than I did back in the, when I initially viewed it. And I mean, it is what it is as far as it being, it's supposed to be, it's got that humor, like Donnie said, there's there's some jokes that work in there and it's playing off the humor more so than the horror and it's gimmick, you know, the, the April Fool's Day gimmick. Yeah, it's, I enjoyed it maybe a little bit more this time around than I did initially watching. I, I don't remember, like, like I said, I, I remember watching it. I don't remember, like, you know, loving it or hating it too much. I think it was just another movie and a long line of movies that I probably watched on, like, a Saturday afternoon matinee or something, you know, on the local TV station. As far as my initial reactions, yeah, I mean, I I, I didn't, I, I can't say I loved it, can't say I hated it. You know, I'm, I'm definitely somewhere in the middle, and, and, you know, I'm sure we'll, I'll land somewhere on the old uh, star rating chart, you know, at the end. Um, it'll it'll uh, reflect that, but the the sense of humor, you know, brings it up a little bit. You know, if you're expecting gore or anything like that, you're definitely not getting much of anything here. I saw one in some of the research I was doing for this, you know, for the background and stuff. I saw uh, the critics. It sounded like the critics were kind of split on it too. You know, even back then and you know through the years since. One, one critic said, "This is a slasher movie for people that hate slasher movies." <laughs> <laughs> That's about accurate. Yeah. 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 And then, then there's always that debate, like, do you even consider this a slasher movie? I mean, it kind of sets itself up like that, you know, and I think that kind of, I think at the time that kind of uh, did the movie uh, that I'd read somewhere that it sounded like it uh, did the movie a little bit of a disservice because it was kind of marketed as a slasher film, you know, as far as like uh, a Jason type of, you know, Friday the 13th type of movie. Yeah, you know, and then when you, yeah. when you see it, it's yeah. nothing like that, you know. So yeah, I'm, see, they what they could have. Well, I don't know. You can't really market it a certain way, or you give away. I yeah. guess the premise of what it's about. But uh, you remember the movie Wacko? No. Maybe not. But no, movie that barely got a. D- I don't even know if it got a DVD release. I guess it did. It was one of those slapstick or splatstick, whatever you want to call it, type horror <laughs> comedies came out. And the, a few of those were coming out in the eighties. Pretty forgettable. I mean, I haven't seen it. I actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I do want to watch it again. But it was marketed. <laughs> as a horror satire. So people saw it that way and whatever. I'm sure it didn't do well at the box office still, but when you market a movie as a straightforward slasher, given the title of the movie and what's going to happen in the movie, you can just basically hear what the, what the pitch to this movie was when they were doing, you know, like, Hey, what holidays have we not done yet? You know, Halloween has been done Friday the 13th. We got Silent night, deadly night for Christmas, a slew of other ones. Like, how about April Fool's Day? We haven't done that yet. And then here's the premise. And then boom, we'll market it like a slasher movie and it'll disappoint hundreds of thousands. Of <laughs> hey, that, it reminds me of, you know, just the, the, the movie that we watched a couple episodes ago uh, from 1991, uh, Popcorn. The trailer for that yeah. was basically selling it like, you know, you, uh, you enjoyed Jason and Freddy. And, uh, you know, there was something else they referenced. Well, get ready because this is the next, you know, 
line of those type of movies, yeah. and it's almost nothing like those, you know, in in, in, in a lot of ways. And you think about it, they didn't really need to do that. Well, it seems today that they didn't really need to do that. Back then, I guess they were just trying to you know bring more people to the box office by lying, <laughs> outright lying in some yeah, it's, cases. It's a bait and switch. <laughs> it's a uh, it's like a cheap promotional tactic. It's the old bait and switch, you know, in a lot of ways that. Yeah. Yeah. But That's you know the whole you know judging a book by its cover thing like uh. <laughs> How many tons of novels did you see, especially even back then too, especially in the eighties, that were uh, you know with this garish cover art and everything, and then you read and you, one of these pulp type novels and you read it, and some of them yeah really good, and most a lot of them were you know trashy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, it's all in the marketing, and the same with the VHS tapes. You know, me as well, I love collecting VHS and everything, but they would market those covers, those big boxes and everything, and to get a great airbrush artist to do this cover art for a movie that's just absolutely lousy, you know, but it would it would rent. Like a like a motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, and I think we've talked. I think we've talked about that before when we've kind of went into VHS and and that kind of stuff. You know, in the past, that like that was a big reason movies were successful or not later on because the box art on a VHS was cool. Yeah. You know, when you went to Blockbuster or the local video store or whatever, like, oh, this looks cool. You know, and then you get it home and like, man, this movie sucks. You know, but the <laughs> but the box, you know, the box made it look awesome, so you rented it. You know, so like that was a big part of it back yep. then. Oh yeah. Yeah, there was so much of a of, there was so much room for filling the shelves of a video store because they didn't have enough movies and you know just your average movies being released to fill video store shelves. So it, it created this glut of shot on video movies. You know, we could get into all that from some other podcast. Yeah, yeah, but, well, I'm sure we would. But uh, whether you like them or not, I can enjoy them for what they are. But judging by the cover art that these people would, you get an artist like I said to airbrush this really nice looking cover art for just a total shit movie. Mm-hmm. To these video stores because they needed product and, and it works. <laughs> Marketing definitely works. Now, Smoke, you can probably speak more towards this. You can probably speak more towards this than uh, either one of us could. Where are we at on the uh, historically when this movie comes out in 1986, April Fool's Day? Where are we at on the the, the slasher, you know, uh, film as far as yeah. Subgenre, sort of where like the subgenre was well, not only, at the time. Not only that, but just like where are we at as far as like how popular this stuff is. Like, is it is it at its peak? Below that, going into it, where are we at in, in this time period? You know, in uh, March of 1986, you think? Well, I would say it, it passed its peak. I would say the peak was probably in the early 80s or so when you had the beginning of the Friday the 13th, the second you know sequel and whatnot to Halloween, uh, what you know Maniac and all these. The Prowler and all those types of movies. That, I think that was probably the peak, you would say, of, of what it could do, the genre could do. And then by the time you get to this point in 86, you were really pretty much in the sequel territory a lot of times. You know, mm -hmm. just sequel after sequel to, again, Halloween and Friday the 13th. Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, its first Texas Chainsaw Massacre sequel hit that year, which was, what, 10 years after the original? Uh, no, more than that, 11 or 12 years maybe. So it's still fair. It's, but, uh, it's, it's still fair to say at this at this time period, though. It's still uh, going pretty strong, though. At, at, yeah, for sure, right? Yeah, it's still trying to market. I mean, they're, they're, it's going strong as far as output of flashy movies, but as far as the content of them, they pretty much kind of hit their peak already. As far as creative content, I guess you could yeah, say. Yeah. But they were still, you know, as much as they could with the sequels and and I mean non sequels like this one, but still gimmicky, trying to like come up with fresh ideas of some sort. Oh, you know, April Fool's Day, like I said, hadn't been done. We'll do an April Fool's Day horror movie or slasher movie, quote-unquote slasher movie. I think the main reason I, I, the main reason I ask is that, like, the way they marketed this, like I said, you know, as, as a full-on, like, Friday the 13th type of movie, and, and honestly, even the way the movie feels for, like, once again, before I continue, we are a spoiler podcast, so 
you know, if, you, <laughs> yeah. if for some reason you've listened this far and you haven't watched this movie, pause this, go watch the movie and come back because we're going to spoil the shit out of it. That being said, the, with the way this movie ended, with, you know, with the way the movie went and then it en- the way it ended and everything, that not only would this have to be disappointing for fans of that kind of movie, it, it felt at least most of the movie to me, it felt like something that was made years prior, right? It felt like something that was an early 80s movie until the end of it, right? And then then it's like, oh, man, what the hell, you know? <laughs> the disappointment kind of thing, I guess is what I'm trying to get out, you know, is um, yeah. where it eventually went. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because, I mean, if you look at some of the reviews now on this movie at various places, you'll see a lot of people, I guess, reappreciating it, you might say. Uh, you'll see a lot of people calling it underrated and this, that, and the other. But whenever it first came out, there was that was not going on. You know, people felt cheated by it. Yeah, I mean, I would have, and you know, if I go and yeah. I don't know about people, friends of mine, and everything I know felt cheated by it. I don't know about I necessarily read reviews of it back then. If I don't I'm know what Christian Lieber thought of it. If I'm a huge <laughs> hor- if I'm a huge horror fan in March and April of 1986, and I go buy my ticket and sit down and watch this, yeah, I'm going to be disappointed after this movie's over. Yeah. Cause you know, you're, yeah. you've been sold a bill of goods, right? Like <laughs> that. It ain't anything yeah. like that. I guess, you know, I, I guess we'll just go ahead and go into the background of the movie so we can talk about the movie itself and, you know, quit beating around the bush and just get to it. Um, <laughs> this, this movie was released March 28th, 1986. Now this is, uh, one of these things that we have a, a, a penchant for here on the spook show is talking about these movies by accident sometime around a damn anniversary of it. It just so ha- it just so happens that the day of the release of this, March 29th, this movie came out 35 years ago to the day yesterday, on March 28th. So March 28th, 1986 is the 35th anniversary. Once again, accidental. We've done this a number of times. It's crazy, you know that. Like, and we're. I'm telling yeah, you, yeah. we're not planning ahead. We're not. <laughs> we're not that clever. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Just so happens. Yeah, it just free. I mean, like you know, that, you know what it would take to get two, three, four of us together on the same day for something a movie was actually shot on or filmed on or, or released on. <laughs> the logistics yeah. of that would be impossible, but we do it accidentally. Quite yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. If, <laughs> it's just if we were planning for it, we'd never nail it, right? We'd never stick the landing. But for huh. some for some reason, we just trip and fall on it. There are that I can now, now you know same deal as there always is. There, it's got a different name in a lot of other countries, right? But I thought this was uh, worth pointing out. In West Germany, it had two different names. Um, I, and I'm guessing that's uh, due to which side of town you were watching. I don't know what the hell, you know, <laughs> what the reasons were. that. But in West Germany, um, it had two different names. Die Horror Party, and it's Die Horror Dash Party. Or on the other side of the railroad tracks, it was called just called <laughs> it was just called horror party. Which you know, I guess it's a uh, it's not as good as April Fool's Day, or at least it's not as to the point as April Fool's Day. But you know, all right, I'd I'd go watch a movie no, called no. Horror Party. Yeah, you could watch it, but then by the time you got to the end of this one, by the, with the title Horror Party, <laughs> your disappointment would, you know, would be grand. <laughs> I guess it would be bigger. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was a part. Okay, you got me. You know, you got me. You kind of yeah. got me. I'm like. I can't really complain because look at the title of this thing. <laughs> I mean, for fuck's sake, the movie literally ends with a wink. <laughs> but it was made by Hometown Films and then distributed by Paramount Pictures. It was rated R, of course. Well, I shouldn't say of course, right? I mean, like, sometimes we always say of course because it's a fucking horror movie, but sometimes you're just like, how did this get rated R? I can't, you know? <laughs> and, th- and then we've had plenty of other ones. They're like, how the hell is this only like PG-13? You know, Espe- yeah. especially more recent movies. Like, you know, movies that we've watched in the last, you know, from the last uh, 10, 15, 20 years. 
some of those like they've been like, there's a, been a few that have been PG thirteen and you're like how the hell you know is that PG thirteen I guess they just didn't cuss as much you know in that particular movie but yeah this one's rated R I, I forgot well you know we we I was recently uh, listening to the ratings episode we did mm-hmm. and uh, I can't remember now though what the year was on that whenever that PG thirteen rating came out PG thirteen rating may not have even been out when the April Fool's Day came out. Because we were talking about uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom and Gremlins being the sort of, sort of the key movies that sort of, you know, spurred, spurred on the PG-13 rating. Yeah, so that would probably put it around somewhere around, what, 84, 85, 80, 86, somewhere in there? Yeah, but I don't know. And like I said, they hadn't come out with the PG rating yet. Those just spurred it on, so it might not have come out until, until 87 or, or so. You mean the PG? You mean the PG thirteen rating? Hadn't, that being said, if that were the case, then this movie would probably would have gotten an R because it wouldn't have definitely got a PG. True. PG thirteen, yeah, if it had been out, but I don't. Maybe. True. Maybe that, it was. You might be right. Yeah, that might be splitting hairs on the timeline there. But yeah, you're right. That might be that might be the reason it's rated R. Well, I, I guess there was enough sexual content and whatnot, right? In it to probably, I guess, warrant it too. You know, if you're if you're really breaking it down, why I got that rating? Yeah. <laughs> Um, the total runtime was one hour and 29 minutes, so the usual uh, runtime for these type of movies. On IMDb, it's listed as a horror slash mystery. It was filmed in on Vancouver Island in Victoria, British Columbia, Canada, for a budget of $5 million, and it grossed about $12.9 million. We're going to take a trip down the old uh, top ten at the box office that weekend, just because this is always awesome to do when, when we have these uh, stats to, in front of us, mm. especially for an older movie. So uh, um, this this the week the weekend that it opened it actually opened at number four, and it made three point three just over three point three million dollars that weekend. So I'll give you the rest of the top ten. Number ten that weekend, Hannah and her sisters. You got me. I've never heard of it. <laughs> number, number nine, number nine, Down and Out in Beverly Hills. Number eight, Sleeping Beauty. That was the nineteen eighty six re release. You know the Disney animated classic Sleeping Beauty. Number seven. In its 15th week, Out of Africa. Number six, in its 15th week, The Color Purple. Number five, Pretty in Pink. Number four, as I said, April Fool's Day. Number three, Gung Ho. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. (laughs) I know we'll never get around to that on the Spoo Show, but that movie's awesome. Yeah. Maybe on Patreon one of these days, we'll just randomly watch uh, watch Gung Ho and talk about it. Number two, The Money Pit. It opened that same weekend, and uh, obviously it, it beat out April Fool's Day. It made $5.3 million that weekend. And then number one at the box office, this is awesome, in its second week, Police Academy 3, back in training. <laughs> that's oh, awesome. Man. Yeah, that is, that is fucking awesome. That, and that's, your, that's definitely a snapshot of 1986 right there, for sure, that Police Academy, oh, yeah. Police yeah. Academy yeah. 3 is number They're one. On top. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. So, yeah, that be, all that being said, on IMDb, it gets a rating of 6.2 out of 10 stars. So that, that means it's more than roughly a little over 60%, you know, on, on IMDb. On Rotten Tomatoes, it gets, on the tomato meter, it gets a score of 52%. So that's, you know, there's definitely way worse for these type of movies on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But it only gets a 47% from the audience. So this is one of those rare occasions where the, the critics actually like a horror movie more than the audience like the horror movie. So the producer for this movie was Frank Mancuso Jr., who would mostly be known from, uh, he, he was the producer, or one of the producers, on Friday the 13th, Part 2 through 5, and then 7. And then he was also one of the producers on the Friday the 13th series, which I think that was like a syndicated series or something, right, Smoke? That wasn't like on network television. It was like syndicated kind of well, no, 
I think it originally did start on network television mm-hmm. before it wasn't. Oh, okay. It was. I forget. Yeah, it was a normal. I forget what year hell it even came out. I think it was. That was late eighties, early nineties, somewhere around there. Yeah, I was looking it up. I'd say like ninety two, ninety three, something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It did. It did air on regular network TV back then. Yeah, I actually. I mean, it's neither here nor there, but I actually kind of like that series, even though it, of course, has nothing at all to do with with Jason. Yeah, (laughs) once you got over that, back in the day. I think that was always my my uh, beef with it. Like you know, I remember like it, it, in the periphery. I never really watched that one, but I remember like, man, it's got nothing to do with Jason. Fuck this, I ain't watching this. You know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah initially that's what I did too. Yeah. And then I or it was on, and I just watched. I'm like, oh. It's yeah, I, I'm curious. sure if I if I sat down and watched um, it now, I would have an appreciation for it as opposed to you know when I'm 11, 12. You know, I didn't. You know, <laughs> just because there's yeah. no Jason. I was also a producer on Body Parts. And uh, the Species franchise. The movie was directed by Fred Walton. I'd say a, a, a fairly known, you know, in, in the in the horror circles of the of the uh, late seventies and all through the eighties and nineties. He was the director of when, when a Stranger Calls in nineteen seventy nine. The Rosary Murders. Oh, that when the Stranger Calls. Yeah. That was. There's now there's a, a an example of a really decent movie that he did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't. I, I've well, seen did. bits. That's one of those ones where I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. But like, I've seen like the, the the random snippets of Carol Kane, like you know, holding the phone or whatever from that movie. I've seen that a hundred yeah. times, but I've never actually sat down and watched it. He was the director of the Rosary Murders, The Sitter in nineteen seventy seven. Uh, he was a writer on When a Stranger Calls from two thousand six when they remade that. Another. Another awesome remake, I'm sure. But up to the point where he made April Fool's Day, though, he'd only done like a handful of things at that point, like a movie called Hadley's Rebellion and then one one episode of Alfred Hitchcock Presents in 1985. Actually, it looks like it was the pilot of Alfred Hitchcock Presents, uh, one of the Yeah, I, I remember that, that, little, uh, that show. Then he made April Fool's Day. Then he went on to do many other things, you know, throughout the years. He's But he's only got 16 credits as a director, and the last thing that he directed according to IMDb, was back in 1996. I guess he's still alive, you know, but from the best I can tell. Uh, I guess he just kind of uh, went on to other things. I'm not sure. Before I get into the cast or anything, did you guys have anything else to point out, like, at, on any other level, like, you know, music, cinematography, anything like that? Not, uh, well, the music, I can't remember who did the soundtrack right now, but it, of course, is very rev- somewhat reminiscent of Friday 13th, and I haven't looked to see. I'm pretty sure it's not, uh, you know, the same... Uh, who is it? Frank Man? No, Frank Mancuso was the producer. Harry Manfredini did the Friday Thirteenth soundtrack, and I, I, I don't think that was who it was that did this one, but it's very reminiscent of Friday Thirteenth. No, uh, I mean uh, not him, of course, but just the you know. No, it's uh, Charles Bernstein did the uh, was, uh, com- yeah composer for this. He's done uh, oh. Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, okay. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, it definitely has that vibe, that slasher vibe going. Yeah. I, I did. Yeah, that does what it needs to do. I wonder who did that corny ass song that they played at the end of the credits. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that's not true. <laughs> uh, that was the uh, the pinheads from uh, Back to the Future. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, well, and there's another connection because of uh, Arch, uh, yeah. Thomas F. Wilson. There. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's been Six Degrees of the Spook Show with Donnie. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, make like a tree and get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> Well, no, you do mention uh, music. Uh, that's going to come up a little bit, a little bit later. We'll hold you to it. Yeah, everything will tie in. Kind of, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. So the movie stars Deborah Foreman as uh, Muffy. She, 
this is one of the definitely one of those roles you would remember her for. I mean, you know, she she does stand out. You know, she uh, and she's an attractive lady, so she has a, a distinct look. You know, that you would remember from a lot of these eighties, uh, a lot of eighties movies. She has 27, 27 acting credits on IMDb that date back to nineteen seventy two. She was in like some documentary short called David Off and On. <laughs> But she, she must have been. Well, it, says, it says her role is little girl, and that's unconfirmed. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> past that, uh, her first role was in a uh, movie, a TV movie called The Grady Nut Show <laughs> in 1981. <laughs> a couple episodes of TJ Hooker, episode of Family Ties. She was in the movie Valley Girl, Real Genius. And this was all before April Fool's Day. Her her star didn't take off any further, much you know, much further after this movie either. I mean, you know, a lot of a lot of similar type of stuff, TV movies, videos, stuff like that. She was in the movie Waxwork, and uh, right. yeah, and she was in a. She, but also Valley Girl with Nicolas Cage. Remember that one? Which one? Valley Girl, the one the movie. Oh with yeah, Nicolas yeah, Cage, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on there. Yeah. But I uh, first seen her, first coming across her, and then My Chauffeur, which, which that's another. That's a. I like My Chauffeur. It's a pretty funny movie. I, I think that's an underrated comedy. Man, you'd have to. I mean, I'd have to go deep down in the archives to remember if I've ever sat down and watched my chauffeur. I don't remember that. <laughs> I mean, I might have exactly. at some point. I don't remember. And then, of course, yeah, Waxwork, like you mentioned, that was probably the most memorable role that I saw him because I, I love that movie anyway. Now, apparently, they're they're uh, they've made a, a. I guess it's a remake of Valley Girl that came out in 2020. I, I don't know much about it, but I'm just seeing it here in uh, her credits. She play, She has a role in it. She plays uh, Shop Girl in in, in the, the remake of Valley Girl that just came out last year. So that, that'd that be interesting to go check out. I'm, I'm sure it's, it can't be half as good as the now, original. I think in the 80s, though, because that's, are they going to set it in modern times? I mean, that's, the whole premise of the other movie was just the whole 80s-ness of the original movie is about the only... I mean, it's, you, know, you got Nicolas Cage in there and her, but I mean, the premise... I mean, the whole reasoning of watching it now is because it's so nostalgically 80s okay i can i can just seeing the description of it right here i can tell i probably wouldn't like it (laughs) it's set to a new wave 80s soundtrack that sounds promising it's a pair of young lovers from different backgrounds to find their parents and friends to stay together a musical adaptation of the 1983 film i'm out yeah i'm out yep i'm out <laughs> so, so apparently this this came out somewhere last uh, back in May of uh, 2020. So I, I, I nope, no, nope. I'm not going to search it out. But yeah, it, it exists, and she's you in it. Go to pass me, boy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's honestly, it's one of the first things she's done in a long time. Like you know, like I said, she was pretty busy from say 1981 to 1991. She did like a random episode of the show The Marshall in 1995, and didn't do anything again. Until 2008, she was in Beautiful Loser. I um, also want to uh, point out that she was in Lobster Man from Mars. <laughs> um, that's just that's a movie that you know just kind of jumped out at me. I was like, oh. next up on the yeah. Spook Show, Lobster you know, Man. <laughs> Lobster Man from Mars. Yeah. Good now, one movie though, that I think we should get around to besides Waxwork, but is uh, Sundown: The Vampire in Retreat. And that one, I remember. I haven't seen it since. The 90s, probably, and it came out in 89. And I think it's directed by the same director as Waxwork, but uh, it's got Bruce Campbell is in it. David Carradine is in it. Oh, yeah. I see it. I, you know, so, and I remember liking it. I remember it being pretty fairly, un- I thought it was underrated back then when it came out, or at least when I saw it in 90 or 91. So it'd be interesting to see now if, I, if, if it still holds up for me that way. And But I, I know it was entertaining, so at any rate. So that's when we, we should 
do at some point here. Cool. Y'all have, I guess, right, and one I don't remember. I mean, one that I remember liking, but don't remember any of the the scenes per se out of it. They don't stick out to me, but I just remember liking it back then. Um, it also stars Ken Olant as Rob. Now, uh, I think we've actually mentioned him before from something else. Not not dead sure, but I just know that he was in the movie Summer School, which we've mentioned a number of times on this show. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. He was in that. Like maybe he was e- even in something else that we've watched, and I'm just not recalling right offhand. He has 60 credits on IMDb that date back to 1983. He was in an episode of the show Matt Houston. He was in Leprechaun. Oh yeah, that's right. Show. Yeah, which we've we've covered. Yep, yep. You're right. Son of a bitch. There you go. I knew we'd we'd talked about this guy for some reason, and and beyond summer school because I remember I think when we did did that episode mm-hmm. we talked about that. Uh, his role in summer school was the guy that kept falling asleep because he was a male stripper. That's <laughs> that's that's the dude. Uh, and of course, as every actor in the '80s uh, is concerned, he was in episodes of The Love Boat, Airwolf, The A Team, and he even reaches back. Because you know, like I think we always said, like the older actors, they were always in a random episode of Gunsmoke, right? This dude was in a Gunsmoke movie. Gunsmoke returned to Dodge in 1987. So like, he he's he's just crossing off all the check marks. He's even been in soap operas with The Young and the Restless. Although he hasn't done anything, you know, as far as acting is concerned, since 2015 he was in an uh, episode of the TV series Battle Creek. And uh, the the girl that plays his girlfriend, Kit, that is played by Amy Steele, would probably mostly, you know, to our fans, will be uh, known as Jenny mm-hmm. from Friday the 13th Part 2. There's that connection, Frank Mancuso connection, I'm sure. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yeah, I, a matter of fact, I think I saw somewhere that was like one of the main reasons that she got it was because of that connection. You know, like he 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 uh, he recommended her from that movie, so you know, away we go. She has forty five credits on IMDb that date back to well, I mean, technically she was in an episode of Guiding Light, which was on for like eighty five years. But I think her first real credit would be all the way back when she had to have been much younger in nineteen seventy. She was in a uh, episode of All My Children. She was in a movie in 1981 called Fat Chance, <laughs> and then, and then Friday the 13th too. Uh, one of Willie's favorite movies, Women of San Quentin. Um, <laughs> the the TV the TV series Stir Crazy in 1985. Walk like a man. <laughs> That's another one of those good ones. Even on IMDb, it says she's known for Friday the 13th Part Two and April Fool's Day, and then you know a couple other random things. So like. These will probably be the two movies you'd remember the, her face from. Let's see. We got Jay Baker plays Harvey. He has 22 acting credits on IMDb. They go all the way back to 1982. He was in an episode of the Dukes of Hazard. And to those Dukes of Hazard fans that remember specific episodes, it was called Duke Strike It Rich. <laughs> he played Jeb Morton. <laughs> uh, but a couple years later, he was in uh, Toy Soldiers. You know, that was in 1984. Then he was in the TV series The Best Times, and then that leads him into April Fool's Day. But he was in that TV movie The Incredible Hulk Returns in 1988. Oh, yeah. Is that the one that had Thor, the really terrible-looking Thor and Daredevil in it? Maybe. Um, I, I just remember one of those where, like, they put him on trial for something. I think that's the one that's got Thor yeah. in it. God, man, those movies are just bad. Especially now, you know, that we've had, like, yes. years and years of really good <laughs> ones. And you look back at that, and you're like, Jesus Christ. It actually we... was the uh, the one that uh, Smoke mentioned with Thor. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, that was, just yeah, that was it. Terrible. I don't know what. They, I guess I don't know if they just didn't have the rights to try and do his costume <laughs> like they like wasn't. They basically made him look like the most stereotypical Viking you can think of. You know, yeah. I mean, like badly stereotypical Viking. <laughs> that that Thor from the Adventures of Babysitting was better 
uh, than the the one in that day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. yeah. <laughs> Once again, another another one of those cases where like he he was active throughout the '90s and then just kind of went away. Like the last credit he has is a movie called Naked Lies in 1998, and uh, it looks like he's you know according to this, it looks like he's still kicking, but uh, I guess just went away and found something else to do. I don't know. The part of Nikki was played by Deborah Goodrich. She would mostly be known for this. She was in Just One of the Guys, uh, Out on a Limb with Matthew Broderick. Um, she has 23 acting credits that go back to 1980. She was in a movie called Those Lips, Those Eyes. <laughs> 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 Once again, not a whole lot after that. I mean, a handful of things. A few, that movie Remote Control, a few TV series, 21 Jump Street, a few uh, TV movies and stuff like that. Her last credit is from a movie out on a limb like i said 1992 that was the last thing she did and best i can tell she's still around you know but i guess she just uh found some other uh trade instead of acting so <laughs> lee pinsent as nan i'll just i mean i'll be honest her character was just completely forgettable i will mm, i just well i guess except for the very end right uh, yeah, the end. That yeah. was it. Yeah, that was about it. That was her moment. She has 46 credits on IMDb that date back to 1984 in the movie The Bay Boy. And then her next role, April Fool's Day. Uh, a movie called Waking the Dead in 2000. So, I mean, she's still active today all the way up till most recently. She was in an episode of Mysticons, a, two, a TV series back in 2018. The part of Skip was played by Griffin O'Neill. He was in the movie The Wraith. That was, that's another one I want to move up to the list sometime. Whether we get to it this year or not, maybe next year. That's, <laughs> that's yeah, I, I, I remember watching The Wraith. It's, it's been probably uh, maybe six or eight months ago. The Wraith uh, actually came out right uh, not the same year as this, as April Fool's Day. It came out in mm -hmm. November of 1986. So that, that wasn't, but what, like this was March and November. So, you know, just a matter of months, months later, The Wraith came out. Um, he, has only, he only has 12 acting credits. That date back to 1976, and that was in the movie Nickelodeon. Pretty much, <laughs> then right after that, he was in Assault of the Killer Bimbos, and that was pretty much it, except for his his the role that he would most be remembered for as Blaine in Ghoulies Go to College, the straight to video uh, sequel <laughs> in the Ghoulies franchise. Yep. <laughs> uh, in 19 in 1990, and then he was in the movie Soulmates in 1992, and then acting acting wise, that was it for him. Like he he wasn't uh, really and much of anything else after that. I guess this will be one of the last ones I mentioned here. Thomas F. Wilson is Arch. Now, of mm -hmm. course, he's the most recognizable face in this entire movie. Let's 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 be honest. Uh, for his his part as Biff Tannen in the Back to the Future movies, he has 141 credits on IMDb that date all the way back to 1984. He was an episode of Knight Rider, then uh, same year in an episode of The Facts of Life. Then he was in L.A. Street Fighters, Back to the Future, and then April Fool's Day. So timing-wise, it's weird yeah. that, like... Oh, so the fact of life. Take the good, you take the bad, oh, you yeah. take them both, and then you got April Fool's Day or something yeah. like that. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. That's a huge step down, though, right? Like, you just did Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, and then you go to... <laughs> Your next project is April Fool's Day, right? Like, what? And then, I mean, he was in Action Jackson... Uh, and then eventually, you know, they got, uh, you know, in that time period between one and two, you know, eventually got back around to Back to the Future Part 2 and Part 3. He's done, ton like I said, he's done tons of stuff, but let's face it, that's it, right? Like, that's the only thing worth, 
<laughs> was really mentioning, and not to uh, shit on his career or anything like that, because he's been in a lot of things and he's been good in a lot of other things. And he's a stand-up comic too. Oh yeah, so he'll he'll really love when he, he hears this episode. And he's like, oh, dude, I got 144 credits on. <laughs> yeah, goddamn, yeah, voice actor, uh, stand-up comic. Uh, uh, yeah. I I've actually I I have seen his uh, his stand-up shows, and he is really really funny. He's more than uh, uh, you know, he's more than just you know Biff from Back to the Future, but yeah. Yeah. Well, of course. I just mean it. Good. I, I'm not shitting on him, like I said. I just mean that's the career-defining role, right? Exactly. Like that's yeah. what I, I'm blanking yeah. on his name. What was it? Fred Gwynn that played Herman Munster, right? Like the dude yeah. had tons of other movies and shows, <laughs> but he's fucking Herman Munster, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. that's just yeah. the way it works, you know, and that that's the deal with that's him, like, is what I mean. That's like Dustin Diamond will always be Screech. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, well. That's that's probably a worse example, simply because that dude didn't do any <laughs> anything. He didn't else. do anything else. At least not anything uh, that anyone would care about, other than maybe his porn or something like that that he did, his sex tape. But <laughs> I hey, didn't know that until this show. Uh, so. <laughs> I, have, I have three copies. Yeah, no, he was called Screech on that too. I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More recently, though, he was on a handful of episodes of uh, DC's Legends of Tomorrow. You know, one of the. Uh, the DC yeah. uh, CW series shows, like you said, tons of voice work too. Like I'm just looking through his uh, filmography, man. Tons of like cartoons and stuff like that. This dude's worked on. He's had a long, successful career. I'm, I'm definitely not crapping on him. I, I enjoy him and anything <laughs> I see on see him in. I'm just saying he's Biff Tannen. You know, like that's just yeah. Even yeah. if you see him I'll in something else, like oh man, he's good. It's fucking Biff. You know, like that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. and a number of other people that, that are in this, like, uh, Lloyd Berry plays the fairy man. You know, you see him a couple of times. He's got 56 credits on IMDb as well. He actually passed away in July of 2016 at the age of 89, but he would mostly be known for, uh, this obviously. And, uh, apparently he was, uh, in Jumanji, Aliens versus Predator Requiem and Scary Movie. That's probably about all that we need to really deep dive discuss as far as the cast yeah. is concerned. Time for refreshment. Refreshment. For your enjoyment, there's hot, fresh popcorn, tempting, delicious hot dogs, and so many kinds of ice cream. And of course, sparkling, delicious, ice-cold Coca-Cola for everybody at the refreshment counter now. For you, the listeners of the All-American Spook Show podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Like we always say, you know, you go on there, you sign up, they give you a credit. You can take that credit and get a, a you know, an audible book. And uh, if you decide like, hey, I can't afford this, don't, you know, don't, I'm not going to use it enough. Whatever the reason, you can cancel it. You get to keep that one book. So helps us out, gives you a free book, win-win. Um, as as usual, you know, especially if we're talking about a holiday like we are with April Fool's Day, I decided to type it, type that in and see what would pop up in Audible. And I found a, pr- a couple good ones here. Uh, April Fool's Day by Bryce Courtney. Um, that one is uh, just under 20 hours long, so, you know, full-size novel there. Uh, the April Fool's Day Murder, a Christine Bennett mystery by Lee Harris. Um, that is apparently book 13 of the Christine Bennett mysteries, and that one's just a little over, uh, almost seven and a half hours long. And then the last one that I'll mention here, this is awesome, Abe the Farting Apes, April Fool's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but, how long is that one uh let's see uh four minutes <laughs> pull my finger and find out yes it's it's just got to be like a, a a damn farting ape for four minutes <laughs> and then that's it 
Um, but it is. Oh, man. Here's the other good part about it. It's book 21 of Farting Adventures. So there were <laughs> there were 20 previous installments of the Farting Adventure line of books by Hunter, or no, I'm sorry, by Humor Hillses, narrated by Aaron D. Johnson. Like, is that his thing? Like, he just farts into the microphone for four minutes? I, I'm curious enough to use my credit. On Abe the Farting Apes, what, April Fool's Day. Yeah, that's that's the best part is that you can get that book for uh, you know for free. It might only be four minutes, but it's four minutes of pure <laughs> solid gold that you would not <laughs> you would not regret using using your credit for that. So yeah, there you go. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com/bookshow. Again, that's audibletrial.com/bookshow for your free audiobook. All right. So with with all that out of the way, I guess we'll go ahead and, and dive into the movie itself. I mean, like. This isn't like a deep plot type of movie. I mean, it's, you know, there are twists and turns and stuff like that. And you got a big mystery, you know, that's not unveiled until like the last, what, 10, 10 minutes or so of the movie. But that being said, it's not, you know, it's not something we're probably going to spend the next hour talking about. So the movie starts with like a group of like, you know, teenagers or what. Well, I guess these are beyond teenagers, right? These are like college age, right? They're, they're, from, they're all from college. So they're probably early 20s, right? That's probably fair to say. They're all like uh, getting ready to get on a boat. So they're taking like a home video. One of them carries around like a home video camera with him. And I take it like some of these are like, they're like film school students kind of, I guess. Like some of them and, and like drama kids and stuff like that. Is that kind of what, kind of the feeling that you get? Yeah. and Yeah. I guess, yeah. I, well, as soon as the thing opened up with a video camera thing, the feeling I got was like, hmm, this could have been like one of those, you know, found footage, pre, yeah. pre-found footage. <laughs> but no, yeah, you know, of course. Yeah. And that's also, you know, uh, um. I mean, I was looking at that camera. I was like, "That's that's pretty much about the size of." Uh, I mean, if you were to buy, you know, a camera today, it would be a, right about that size. Yeah. So, and I I remember my folks buying one in like '88, and it was a shoulder cam. I can imagine. Um, yeah, like yeah, originally. Well, we it probably had it earlier. It's probably '86 when we had it or so, but but it was that big ass shoulder VHS cam sort yep. of thing. It was. Heavy. <laughs> I can only imagine back in that time period too. Like a camera like that would be expensive as hell. I would think, right? Like. But you know, oh, yeah. the, the, that's another part of this too. Like, the, this is all obviously clearly like that's a bunch of privileged kids too. So not only are they like Ivy League type kids, you know, or you know, young twenty somethings or whatever. It seems like some, uh, <laughs> uh, at least a handful of them got some money here, right? I think I think they mentioned that themselves. One of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I somebody think, actually mentioned privileged and whatnot. I think it's Biff <laughs> that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, like it starts with that, and then like you see Muffy. You're introduced to Muffy St. John at her house, like cleaning up because everybody's coming for a party or whatever. And it's, this is also kind of like during the credits. So, you know, you see April Fool's Day and like it's also like between like her kind of straightening up and everything. And you're introduced to her. You also have flashbacks to when she was younger and she has a birthday party. She gets a gift and she opens it up and it's a jack in the box. And she, you know, like all through the credits, kind of like she's cranking the jack in the box. And then at the end of it, like pop goes the weasel, right? It pops out and like, it's like a fucking ghoul. It's like a little, <laughs> it's like a little rubber monster or some shit. And it scares the shit out of her. So I guess you're setting this up as like, this was like this traumatic thing or something that happened to her. It's kind of what I was getting at this point. Um, you know, in her childhood, it scared the shit out of her and like fucked her up. Right. <laughs> so everybody gets on the ferry to the island. Another thing too, and I'll skip through a lot of it as I'm describing the movie here. There's a lot of pranks going on, and when and while they're on the ferry boat, one guy like pretends to like they get mad at each other, like they're playing this knife game or something, right? Where they're throwing a knife. I don't even know what the hell they're doing. And one guy's like, I don't want to do this anymore, and he grabs the knife and he slings it at the guy, and it catches him in the stomach, and then the guy like falls into the water. 
and uh, then a few of them jump in to get him out. And then uh, the guy that's like the crew, the crew guy on the ferry, he jumps out to help as well. And then he's like, you know, ah, shit, that was just a prank. Like, you know, because eventually the, the guy comes up like, gotcha, you know, April Fool's. But that guy's like, well, I'm just going to stay in the water here to help, you know, kind of tie the boat up. <laughs> then he ends up getting crushed in between like the dock and the boat. And like, I guess it takes his fucking eye out or something, right? And he climbs back into the boat, and he's ready to fight. Like, he's swinging around, like, trying to beat the shit out of everybody. And they have, like, uh, the constable rolls up in his boat. They manage to get the guy in the boat, and uh, he takes off with him. You know, and then the ferry goes ahead and uh, lands at the island. So what do you think of this whole setup, uh, Smoke, of uh, introducing the kids and all this stuff up to this point? Well, initially, when I say the first time I was watching it, I was like, okay, this is, this is you know, when you get the movie, you hear the movie April Fool's Day, right? and you think, okay, it's going to be something to do with pranks in there. So you get this part, right, the setup of, these kids are pranking each other or pranking whoever, right? So I'm, you're thinking this is this is where they're going with it, but, you know. But it's going to get into some real slasher territory soon, right? <laughs> oh, just wait. There's the initial of later, you know, of what happens later. So when I first saw it, that's what I'm thinking. Oh, okay, that's the premise. Surely they'll have some splatter and stuff. Oh, okay, his eyeball, yeah, some little splatter. So initially, that's what I was thinking. Now at this point, you know, you know what's going on. Is you know this is that's the script writer's intention to throw you off of things later is a set it up like this, you know, yeah, pranking each other. So they arrive at, uh, Muffy's house and, uh, you know, th- this, once again, you, you see goofy little pranks and stuff like that. You know, they're, they're all kind of getting acquainted to the house and then they all sit down for dinner. And, uh, at the dinner table, there's all these little dolls that look exactly like, you know, everybody that's there. It looks like each guest of the at the house. And I'm also thinking, too, that that's going to play a bigger part than it does. Like, yeah, the dolls come back later on, you know, and it's a thing. But, like, it just seems like uh, it was it was kind of weak. You know, why even have yeah. it? Why even have it there? You know, like, in the, in the whole setup of all of this. Yeah, they didn't play any part Never. at all. Yeah. They, like, they don't close the loop on that. No, I mean, you did see them again, like, you know, when they go to the attic or whatever, and there's some... And some of the dolls are like uh, sitting in the corner, and, and a couple of them are sitting in like a little bowl of water or whatever the hell. But like, there's really no reason for any of it, you know. Like, I guess maybe it just adds to the creepy factor of it all. I don't know, but I guess that's what they were going for. But like, it just seemed to be like you're setting up something bigger than, like you said, the payoff wasn't there. Yeah, you, maybe you could go with a prank. I mean, you could have done a prank with the dolls, you know, too. <laughs> An and, April Fool's thing, or and the other or thing. Something. And another thing too that didn't seem to get really much of a payoff or anything either was like all the guests of the house finding random shit in the rooms. Harvey finds, oh, yeah. Harvey finds like some news clippings of like some horrible car accidents. Uh, Arch finds like uh, uh, in like the medicine cabinet, isn't there like fucking like a spoon of heroin or something like that and some needles and like. <laughs> and that uh, uh, exploding cigar. Yeah. <laughs> the exploding <laughs> that cigar. That was awesome. That was straight out of cartoon. Oh, man. yeah. No doubt. Yeah. Um, and then, and and also, then, the, I mentioned this in the movie, I think, at some point. But it also kind of it seems like some sort of a weird setup to like Ag- Agatha Christie's Timothy Indians or something. You know, the mm. mystery novel or movie as well that's made out of it. Now, I think they reference Agatha Christie in there at some point. Yeah, m- maybe they do. And, and, and I guess you, it does come full circle later on with the, the whole point of what's going on here, right? But it's, it didn't yeah. seem to get. And I, to me, it's, it's, it's too specific of, of these items are too specific. That they didn't get any kind of payoff. Like, what the hell is the needle and the heroin got to, you know, the spoon and everything got to do with it? Or, or the, the S&M outfit that they found, like the handcuffs and shit. Like, that's got nothing to do with nothing. Really, you know? 
I thought um, they were going to go somewhere with that. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. At least, at least, let's see a huge payoff with the S and M bit. But no. Um, <laughs> Bring out the gimp or something. I don't know. <laughs> and like you said, this also leads to the cigar explode. Like you know, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, Chaz comes in and like sees Harvey looking at the clippings, and he quickly like closes the. Uh, Closes the drawer and they, like, they just kind of look at each other and like dude walks out and then you hear pow like somebody like somebody got shot and you go back in and uh, it's the old exploding cigar bit which I think that's that's not a funny prank like somebody gives me a fucking exploding cigar man you get ready for a fight like, you, <laughs> you probably just blew my eyebrows off my face motherfucker we're gonna fight so then you get the whole joke house sequence like <laughs> this is like going from room to room and there's pranks and jokes everywhere like. You turn on the faucet, it sprays you in the face. <laughs> I thought it was funny they got the, the guy, uh, Biff, you know, they got Arch. They got him twice yeah. with the fucking, the chair that falls backwards. <laughs> and then, <laughs> and then falls back forwards. But, <laughs> like run into a fertilizer truck or something? No. Yeah. Uh, I hate my no- he just gets up and says that for no reason. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <hate> manure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So uh, Skip, he at, up to this point, he's kind of been like, uh, as he's kind of like the. Didn't they say that he's the cousin, and he's kind of like, uh, you know, in the shits about about life or whatever the hell's going on with this guy. <laughs> he goes and like, uh, what does he do there? Like he has like a lighter and a knife. Does he cut off like a? Is that supposed to be weed that he just randomly I like? Don't know. Cause it like didn't, it was I, just like it was some kind of herbs or something. I, it, it just looked like a, like a bush. Cause yeah, it didn't look yeah. like weed to me. <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were using. To, that's what they're implying in this. And I have no idea. I don't know if we just use this. Uh, yeah. Bush. I mean, it just looks like a big cilantro plant or something that he just cut some, you know, <laughs> off the top of and like mm, smells it, and then like he's staggering out. <laughs> <of> the, <laughs> he staggers out to the boathouse, and then, of course, in the boathouse, somebody grabs him. You don't see anything, but somebody, like, grabs him from behind. So now you cut the Rob and Kit a little later on, and now they're about to have sex, like, in the uh, in the, in the the same boathouse. As it's about to get hot and heavy, like, you see the, the corpse of Skip float up underneath the boathouse. Like, you, you know, you can see through the cracks of the boathouse, and then, of course, they freak out, and they start looking for Skip. And uh, Arch, while they're out looking for Skip, he steps into, like, this little snare trap, that somebody set out in the woods. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's this like this fucking snake just coiled up for five minutes, just ready to strike as he keeps walking back and forth. Eventually, gets snared up, and then the thing just keeps snapping at him as he's like hanging from the tree. And then you see someone approach. You know, someone appears and they approach, but you don't see who it is. Then uh, Nikki and Harvey they go out to they, the the water's all fucked up, so they go to the the old well out in the woods. And Nikki goes in, and she, of course she falls into the well as she climbs down. And all of a sudden, you see like the uh, the decapitated head of Skip and Arch float up to the top, and then like Nan's whole body just out of nowhere. Like the last thing you saw about Nan was her like sitting in sitting in the woods by herself crying or something. Now all of a sudden, she's a corpse down in the well. Like, and, and I don't I don't remember you seeing any like uh, allusion to like she's the next one about to die, right? Maybe that was just the cutting room. Nobody cares about Nan kind of thing, but. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, she's dead, and she's down in the well. So, of course, they freak out, go back to the house. Then they call Constable Potter. Remember, you know, he's the guy that was uh, helped rush mm-hmm. the dude that uh, they got hurt earlier. You saw him earlier. Um, they said, all right, you know, uh, uh, everybody stay together, and I'm on the way. So Chaz goes upstairs with Nikki. Like, Nikki's about to fucking leave. Like, she's like, I- I'm not I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm getting the fuck out of here. And she's getting her shit together. Chaz puts on the uh, S&M mask. She leaves the room. She's like, man, fuck off. You know, she leaves the room. 
comes back and the dude's like holding his holding his crotch, but he's just like laying still, right? And she's like, "Oh, come on, what the hell?" And she moves his hands, and his dick has been cut off. I guess. Is what, <laughs> I guess is what happened there, right? That's what uh, fucking Noah is just. <laughs> that's a way it it seemed. <laughs> fucking Noah. Yeah. Was this when the joke was, in, or whatever you want to call it, was inserted, pardon the pun, about you put your hostess Twinkie away or something? Where was that at? I forget. There was something about a term about put your hostess, hostess Twinkie away. I don't know when the pants was on. Just... <laughs> well, that's kind of, that. I'm sure it was a little earlier than that because it was kind of like that was that dude's yeah, role, right? He's just like the resident horn yep. dog, him and uh, yep. Arch. They're just the perverts that they brought along for some reason. And but, a little product placement from Twinkie in there, I'm sure. Yeah. Gave him some money. Yeah, I'm sure they appreciated the, uh, <laughs> the payoff there. So, yeah, when she comes back, his dick's cut off, and then someone appears in the room again. Once again, you don't see who it is, but someone appears. Then Rob tells uh, Kit that uh, the constable, when he was on the phone, warned him of uh, Muffy, saying, like, yeah, you need, to, you need to watch her, basically. This is where they also go up into the attic, you know, to kind of keep an eye for the constable to, who's on his way, and they see the dolls in the attic. And like I said, you see about, I think, four of them, like, lined up, and then there's a, and a, a little bowl with water in it. There's one that's like a full body, and then two little decapitated heads floating around in the <laughs> in the bowl of water. So uh, uh, there's no voodoo shit or anything going on here. That's just that's <laughs> it. That's it for the dolls. Like that's the only uh, payoff you get with the dolls. And then right after that, they run out and they find Chaz, Nikki, and Harvey dead. Then they run out to the boat. The constable's not there, or at least they don't see him. But the boat's there, and they they get in. Of course, they don't have the keys, so they see they they find a letter on the boat. Where the like the constable would bring the letter with him and then just purposefully place it there on the boat. That should have been the dead giveaway, right? But no. It mentions a missing patient from like the mental asylum, and it's a uh, Miss Saint John. Now they don't say Muffy; they just say Miss Saint John. She's like, well, she has, and it's, it, like apparently this this patient has been there for three years and got out. Like, wait a minute, Muffy hasn't been there for three years. She's been at Vassar the last few years. So, hmm, right. Mm. So they go run back in the house to find the keys for the boat. That's when they come to the conclusion when they find some like creepy shit down in the in the basement of the house that she has a twin named Buffy because you see like the you know one foot, two foot, three foot marks on the wall and it says Muffy and Buffy next to it. So now you realize she's got a twin sister named Buffy. And then there's a painting like you've seen this painting a few times in the movie where like the eyes are cut out and somebody's behind it like you know looking around. <laughs> and and the last couple times as it turns out it's like a like a one of those like stupid. Uh, clocks that like uh with the cat and the eyes are moving back and forth and everything like that so she pulls it she pulls like they see the eyes again so they pull the painting back and this time it's muffy's head decapitated head like rolls off so then of course they scream and uh take off buffy is now chasing them through the house and she specifically chases kit into the living room and then like they open up the the doors to like the living room or the library whatever the hell this is and all of a sudden everyone that you thought was dead it's just sitting there casually having conversations, like smoking a pipe, reading the paper. Like, they're all in this room. And and just, like, then they turn around and start laughing at her and say, April Fools. <laughs> and then you get the explanation from Muffy that this is all a rehearsal for, like, Muffy wanting to turn this old house into, like, a murder mystery end type of thing. I, I, thought, I did think the one part about that was funny where they kept cutting back to uh, Rob where he's, like, uh, locked in a closet, <laughs> and he's freaking the fuck out. Meanwhile, everybody in there is, like, laughing at the April Fool's joke. I mean, he, he's just losing his mind in that, in that closet. And then the dude, uh, the guy Buck, that was the guy that uh, the crewmate of the ferry that got hurt earlier, he's in the closet with him with the 
with the fake, uh, you know, shit on his face and puts it on his face and he runs out of there and he's freaking out. That was actually pretty funny to me. But they all, they come in and they all have a good laugh about it and, um, which I'd be like ready to murder somebody if you just put me through that shit. <laughs> this intricate fucking thing. But they have a party, you know, they, they pop some champagne and, uh, celebrate, you know, the day's events. Then afterwards, Muffy goes into her bedroom and there's a gift sitting on the bed. She opens it up. It's that, it's, it's a jack in the box. I don't think it's the exact same jack in the box, right? Who cares? But it's a jack in the box. So she starts cranking it. And then right when it springs open, Nan comes up from behind her, grabs her and cuts her throat. Blood squirting everywhere, and then realizes, wait a minute, what the fuck? You didn't really cut me. April Fools, and then it cuts to the jack, and, the little doll that popped out of the uh, the Jack in the Box, and it sits there for a second, and then literally winks at the camera, and then you get the credits. Like, and this goofy song plays in the credits. So there, there you go. April Fools Day from 1986. Since Will isn't here, Donnie, we'll we'll throw to you first. What do you think? What what's your star rating on this? You know, like I mentioned uh, previously, I thought the uh, you know I thought the the pranks were actually kind of funny, and you know, I I did mention the uh, I thought the story was creative enough. I, but I just don't think that they did enough with it. Had potential, but it didn't really go anywhere. It was it was kind of slow, a little boring at, at times. I gave it two stars, two stars, just two stars flat. Professor, what do you what do you say? Ah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm kind of feeling like Donnie does. There's the, the the pranks are pretty funny here and there. I mean. Not all the way through, maybe, but a lot of them do work. After I got over that initial disappointment of seeing, if I were to rate this movie upon my first viewing of it back in '87 or whatever, I probably would have gave it a one star. <laughs> maybe I'd be gracious to give it one and a half. But after viewing it a few more times later, and you get over that initial, you know, you know what it's going to be, you know what the ending is. I can enjoy it a little bit more. I'm gonna go with two and a quarter star for me. I think I think it's it's clever enough. You know, I'm I'm not saying it's a uh, you know trying to figure out like an Agatha Christie. Uh, you know, classic or something like that, or an old Alfred Hitchcock movie or something, but it's clever enough. I just think that, like, the time period that they did, they tried to do something like this was probably the wrong time to do something like this, right? <laughs> like, you know, yeah. and, and especially, like, if you're going to play it like this, you need to lean into one thing or another a little bit harder to kind of mm-hmm. make people think it's something else, right? Like, they needed, they needed, uh, not to be, uh, that guy about it but like you need especially in a movie like that you need, you need more nudity you need more gore you know what i mean like there's too many movies that were too similar to this until the end right until the last five or ten minutes of it or whatever you know when hi the joke you know up to that point it wasn't anything of the time you know like there's not enough nudity like in every other movie that comes out like this in that time period you're seeing nudity you're seeing tons of gore you know people getting their heads lopped off and yeah and stuff like Titties that. and blood. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, and you didn't really get any of that in this, right? Like, in the end, um, and that'll kind of take us. I mean, Will's not here to do the kill count because, you know, and, and honestly, with this one, there was none, right? Like, no one died in this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah I was thinking about that when I was, you know, doing the gore score thing. And I was like, and then I was like, oh, yeah, Will's not going to be here and do the kill count, but then, you know, <laughs> yeah, nobody died. Fortunately, <laughs> it works. Fortunately, it works out. Nobody. Nobody died. I guess I'll agree with you guys. I think I'm going to go with two stars flat for this. Like, there, there's there's something there to be enjoyed. There's something there because of the time period of this movie. You know, a movie from the 1986 probably gets a little bump for me just for sentimental value. And it's a clever yeah. story. It's, it's it's a clever story. But, you know, overall, like, I think, like, the, the, the ending just kind of fell flat. I think they should have at least had one more, like, scene at the end where somebody fucking dies or something. You know, like, <laughs> give us something at the end. And, like, even if that had been... I, I mean, do you, 
Do you think either one of you guys, like, do you think your rating would have been higher if she'd have really cut her throat? Oh, I might have probably given it a bump. Yeah, Yeah, I probably would have. Because, I mean, you know, and something that kind of reminded me when they started explaining everything, uh, well, (laughs) you know, once the gag had been uh, basically revealed, it kind of reminded me of Clue. Yeah. Uh, when they did when they did that, yeah. and I was like, eh, kind of reminds me of Clue a little bit. Which that came out around the but, same time, right? Give or take. I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was maybe a year before or something like that. Yeah. I, season of Dallas when Bobby wakes up. I think it's Bobby that wakes up and from the shower or whatever, and he's like, "Oh, the whole season before was a dream." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you dating yourself, man? Yeah. I'm talking about Dallas. <laughs> I think I think yeah, I know, it, the viewers are like I don't know what the hell Dallas is. <laughs> yeah, I think we all get the reference. Like I I I was too young to really like uh, really care about that show when it came on, but I know the Who Shot Jr. Yeah. and all that. I, I get the references. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think like if they'd have just if it had ended that way, it's as it's as simple as that. If you'd have just ended it that way, where like she really like cut her throat, you'd be like, damn. You know, like what was that about? Like what you know what? And then like now like you've got. You've piqued your interest, maybe even for a sequel. You 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 appreciated this movie more, but no, they went the other way. Like, uh, how April Fools, and then literally wink. You know, the wink of the eye, the end. You know, so like, uh, yeah. For that, I think I go two stars. But uh, like I said, smoke. We'll, you know, we'll we'll naturally go ahead and go into the uh, gore score for this. So what, what do you say? Oh yeah, well like like we had mentioned in uh, about this movie would probably basically be a PG thirteen. And by the way, I looked that up while we were doing the show and. Uh, the PG-13 rating came out before this movie. It was like sometime late 84, I think, early wow. 85, maybe. Pretty sure it was late 84. Maybe Paramount paid somebody like, hey, go ahead and bump us on up to an R so we can, yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> this will seem like more than it is, you know. <laughs> they did the old reverse thing. <laughs> back then, you would, back then, it was PG-13 horror would have killed you anyway. I mean, nobody much was wanting, I mean, I don't know when the first PG horror, PG-13 horror movie was, but it wouldn't have been gone over too well at the box office and put out something like it's supposed to be a slasher movie in a PG-13 that would come a little later down the road. Maybe. That's what I'm saying, yeah. But uh, <laughs> but it definitely <laughs> pushes the lower limits of the R rate. Like, what, what, why is it, you're watching it, you think, why is it even rated R? The gore score is very minimal. And it, uh, you got the eyeball scene and you like the throat-cutting scene at the end, which is, of course, a special makeup effect because all movies are special makeup effects. But it almost gives it that extra, extra jab at you, you know, when it's, when the whole movie is itself is a prank, you know, it kind of lets out some of the, the steam there with the, any kind of gore effects that they might've had. So I, I have to go with a four, I guess, just a, maybe a three. I'm gonna go with a three on it. Yeah. I'd, I'd say yeah, lean more. Towards the heads, but the heads weren't that, I mean, they weren't, they weren't supposed to be, I don't know if they were, you know, you're supposed to think that they're a prank maybe too. The, the, the severed head thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, the eyeball was pretty gruesome, I guess. And then, the, and then the throat splashing somewhat. Yeah. But I, I guess overall, I, it looked, I guess a lot of what you see, is, you know, the the gore, quote unquote, you do see, is violent enough to to warrant uh, an R rating. I guess it just kind of softens the blow with the way it ended. You know, like when you look yeah. back on it, wait a minute, none of that really happened, so it's not gory, right? But you know, I guess in the moment when you're watching it through, yeah, like you know, the throat slashing, yeah. you know, the I'd have to go with a three, right? I yeah, was about yeah. to give it a four, but I'm like, that's too gracious of a. <laughs> no, I think that's fair. I mean, and you know. The, like you said, the, the guy with the eyeball, uh, you know, you see the corpse roll up underneath the, the boathouse. Uh, the guy, like, fucking hog-tied and hung. You know, like, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it's, yeah, it's violent enough in and of itself, right? It's just that, 
you realize at the end that like none of that really happened. So it kind of like, oh, what the hell? You know, it softens the blow. But from what you see, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty violent. All right, so Donnie, uh, that leads us to uh, your your little special feature of the show, the Six Degrees of Spook show. So what'd you come up with for this one? So uh, what we've done. Uh, basically on the on the previous episode is is uh, how this was kind of tied it uh, similar to uh, six degrees of uh, Kevin Bacon except uh, this side basically our spin on it is you know how does how does April Fool's Day uh, directly connect to any of our previous uh, spook show episodes and I Typically, you would find maybe a few different connections. Um, I did find a direct connection from, and it's not—it's not really a known, a known name or figure, but and but basically, I did find a direct tie. Uh, there is a musician. His name's James Thatcher. I've never heard of this guy, but he's—he has a direct tie uh, from our second episode, which is Trick or Treat, uh, from 2007. Um, and April Fool's Day. So he plays the French horn, and that's all he does. <laughs> uh, that's all he does. And his over his career has uh, has lasted over fifty years. Wow! And he has uh, the most credits that I've ever seen on uh, IMDb. Uh, he has over one thousand two hundred and fifty eight credits. Jeez! And yeah, he, he has participated in 291 movies that have been Oscar nominated and that's Jeez. more than anybody else yeah ever gotta be yeah. good lord yeah it's gotta be Jesus as far as other direct ties to spook show he was uh, played he played French horn in all of these all of these movies uh, in all the soundtracks uh, pet cemetery uh, which is episode 9 uh, Friday 13th which is episode 30 uh, jaws which is episode 35. I don't mean to laugh, but I'm actually <laughs> laughing at this next one. Um, it's, sorry, uh, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> he played yeah, French fine. Horn. Yeah, episode number 39. What the hell is a French horn in that movie? <laughs> Fucking no, man. I don't know. I don't know. But yeah, there is a direct tie to uh, uh, basically 11% of our episodes. Wow. So yeah, this guy makes makes life easy when you're making connections. <laughs> to, uh, other, <laughs> it's almost too easy. Like you have to find something a little harder uh, to keep pulling this dude's name. Yeah, we're just gonna call this the uh, the James Thatcher show. Yeah, James Thatcher Spook Show. <laughs> oh my gosh, I was <laughs> I was shocked at, at, at how, how how many credits this guy had and how many connections that uh, you know he has to uh, to the Spook Show. Now remember, Kiss Meets the Phantom of the Park. That movie was made by Hanna Barbera, so. That's probably where the old French horn bit comes from. He's like, because like, there is some cartoony music in between the Kiss stuff in that movie. So yeah, that's funny. Yeah, that's pretty good. All right, I guess like 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 I said, I guess that'll naturally go into what we're going to watch next. Uh, and and um, like I said at the top of the show, uh, we'll get Will's uh, star rating and his thoughts um, on the movie. You know, uh, on April Fool's Day before we go into the next movie. And what we're going to be watching on the next episode is The Curse of La Llorona. Um, we're going to continue our journey through the Conjuring universe of movies. Like, uh, we have two more to watch before the new one comes out in June. So we have The Curse of La Llorona and Annabelle Comes Home to watch uh, before the new movie comes out, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It. I believe that's supposed to be released. Like, it's Warner Brothers is doing this thing this year where, like, on the same day that it's released, in, a movie is released in theaters, it's coming out on HBO Max. 
So I believe it's June 4th is the debut of the, uh, the third Conjuring movie, The Devil Made Me Do It. So we're going to try to watch Curse of La Llorona and Annabelle Comes Home before that comes out, and, you know, and hopefully we'll do uh, an episode on that around that time or shortly after. The IMDb synopsis for The Curse of La Llorona is, Ignoring the eerie warning of a troubled mother suspected of child endangerment, a social worker and her own small kids are soon drawn into a frightening supernatural realm. The Curse of La Llorona is coming up next. So uh, you guys got anything to add on that or April Fool's Day or anything else before we sign out? Or you could save yourself an hour and 40 minutes and never watch. No, I'm kidding. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> actually, actually, it's an hour and 33 minutes, according to this. So, <laughs> Well, with credits. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So uh, I look forward to this this next episode. This is this is one of those ones that's been a long time brewing for us to watch, sit down and finally watch this movie. Check it out beforehand yeah. if you haven't seen it yet and uh, get ready for that. So I guess for Will and for Donnie and for the Professor Smoke, I'm Josh. We are the All-American Spook Show Podcast, and we will see you next time for The Curse of La Llorona. Go bad, you're crazy. Go bad, you're loony as hell. So long, it could have been swell to As you leave the theater, folks, please be careful. Don't let this happen to your car. Be sure to remove the speaker before you leave. If you should accidentally pull a speaker loose, please turn it in at our snack bar or box office. Thank you.